Welcome to Talking In Stations, the podcast about EVE Online. Today is June 27th. We're going to talk about the week's news and all the things that happen inside of the game. I am Matterall here with the crew from Talking In Stations. Say hello to Arcia. Hey, how are you doing? Nick Bison's here. Howdy, all. Looks a little different than he used to. It was a traumatic razor accident. Yikes, the whole beard got uh, taken out. <laughs> uh, okay, also here on camera with us is Rich Richmond. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing well. I think I have a traumatic non-shaving event where I might be a bit disheveled. <laughs> he's wearing a tie and suit and he looks like he's underwater with the uh, gif behind him, the animated gif. Uh, also, uh, off camera, we have uh, Ren with us. How are we all going? Good. And also Shen. Hello, hello. Uh, that's funny. Ren and Shen. We should put that together and, and uh, do something with that. Okay, let's uh, review the week's events uh, as we uh, check uh, as we check the uh, events off during the week. Uh, I'll bring up our little master sheet here, our schedule, and remind you of what happened last week, and then you guys can tell me what you think. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Rich, uh, you need to go on. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Before we go on, today, 27th, marks one year after the passing of Wrecking Crew pilot Binette Evangod. A vigil in Mamet will be hosted today to welcome his spirit home by current and former pilots of Wrecking Crew to show their respects. You're welcome to join them to light Sino vigils in memory of Binet Evangod. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate that. Okay, let's go into this week's news before we go into some uh, advanced topics later in the show. So here is our little uh, schedule. And uh, on... Um, let's see, this might have been Tuesday, actually. This is Monday. Uh, we did a review of Gobbin's war update. Uh, actually, this was when he said, basically, on Reddit. Uh, Reddit actually republished what he said, but he was basically saying where the war was. Now, today we're going to get an actual town hall from Horde featuring Gobbins. So he will re-explain um, where the, what the status of the war is and how things are going there. So maybe we'll just uh, wait to see what the latest is on that and report about that tomorrow. Uh, CSM results came in, and that was the big news on... Uh, was that Monday? I think it was. It was Monday, right? Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah, that was a big deal. So we saw the... Uh, unfortunately, it got leaked, right? Like before the results came out, somebody scraped the CCP site... Um, and um, published the results like two weeks, sorry, two hours before the actual event of watching it live. Uh, what would you guys think of that leak? Oh, such so, uh, killed it, uh, vibe of it, brought me to tears. So let's go Rich and then uh, Nick, go ahead. Oh, it sucked, it killed the hype of, I guess, the whole reaction, knowing the result in the, uh, beforehand. I would say it brought me to tears, but um, I'm not a crying person. <laughs> well, you're a, you were a CSM. <laughs> you were running for CSM. And, um, and so, and, and RCA too. And so when you saw the results, uh, did you have a personal reaction to, to the, seeing the results? Because y your names weren't included in the top 10, although RCA came 
in 11th and uh, you, you were in the top 20, Rich, but did you feel like, oh, that sucks or what, what happened? I scrolled down to the bottom. I saw the list. I thought, damn. And then I began scrolling up to see just how late I got eliminated. And then I went up and then up and then up. And then I realized, bloody hell, I didn't inherit any votes at all. I see. I woke up to a million messages uh, consoling me on almost making it. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, Really? And I, and, I, and I look at the leak and I'm like, damn, I almost made it. <laughs> right? I am the champion of the losers. Oh, well, what's interesting is how just how close you got. You got 250 votes off from from getting from on. Mike, yeah. yeah, we're talking about 30,000 votes and you were 250 of votes out. And there were a lot of votes that were wasted, like votes that didn't apply to anybody that so I think what really surprised everybody um, from the RP community is how few votes I inherited from Uriel. But like when you look at that spreadsheet that they had that broke down the votes, it looks like he got a, um, a lot of skill farm votes or something. Mm-hmm. It was like 900 votes from just two specific sources that, and that explained why I didn't inherit more votes from the other RP candidate. But uh, I, yeah. I can't be too upset with how I did. I, I, Ran a decent campaign. <laughs> first time. First time you ran? Yeah. Yeah. Most people, uh, when they run for the first time, are really just getting their name recognized, so building name recognition for a run later on. Some people, like Mike Azariah, uh, took five attempts before his name recognition grew to the point where people would, uh, where he could get enough votes to get on. And uh, some people that have tried four or five times never even made it on. Like they never got that name recognition or confidence of uh, of the voter base that, that that Mike was able to get. For you to be able to place an eleventh first time out, that's a that's a, an accomplishment. You're the first alternate. If anybody drops out, you'll be on the CSM on your first try without a base. Without like I shouldn't say without a base, but without I mean, a block. I mean, yeah, but. I got. A, I was actually really proud when I looked at the the spreadsheet with all the votes on how all of my votes came from like tiny sources, because yeah. I was I was on some of the the block ballots, but like at the bottom, so I was below um, all the other people I was competing with. So I wasn't going to get any of those votes in, unless they made it earlier or they got knocked out. And um, yeah, I was I was super super proud of just being like the grassroots candidate totally we were joking that you were the bernie sanders of uh the election for csm so many small votes average average yeah. voting block my, of my, av- my average voting block size is two dollars something <laughs> like that yeah that was awesome so uh, a lot of I, I mean i call that kind of a grassroots um support which i, I think will serve you well if you decide to run again Hmm. Well, anyway, uh, that was kind of a, they, it was CCP with CCP SWIFT and CCP Manifest, two community team guys decided to go ahead, of course. They didn't confirm that those numbers were real that were leaked, um, but they went ahead and had the show anyway. And uh, I think, Ren, you were saying like as soon as the first layer of votes came out, you knew that that was going to be authentic uh, because they matched up yeah. too perfectly. Yeah, the way it works is you pretty much know as soon as they come out. Right. So 
So that was a little unfortunate for CCP to have their surprise blown because I think there's a lot of built-in drama to to what was going to happen. But uh, there it is. You had the uh, CSM listed out. We'll take a look at uh, who won just to be thorough. And uh, that is not what I wanted. That's patch notes. I wanted CSM. I'll bring that up. Uh, so CSM 16, everybody probably knows it plays EVE Online, is Gobbins, Brisk Rubal, Anominate, iBeast, Merkel Chen, Kenneth Feld from uh, Pandemic Legion, and also Talking In Stations. And Pro God Legend made it on, and Mike Azariah, Sutonia, also from Talking In Stations, uh, made it on, and Vili was the last one. So really was a, a lot like last year. Really, NullSec dominated most seats. And then you had two kind of low-sec uh, entities or streaming entities and then uh, one high-sec entity. It used to be Steve Renukin, but in this year and last year, it's uh, been Mike Azariah. So he's an incumbent that won re-election. But those two seats that are kind of the wild card seats, wild card seats, um, they sometimes will go to a wormhole candidate, sometimes a low-sec candidate, sometimes a streamer. In this case, they went to a Russian player who's very popular. He's popular with English players because he's so good at the game as far as a PvPer, and that was iBeast, also known as Lucy Lou. And then the second slot uh, for that, uh, first or second, depending on how you look at it, was Sutonia, uh, who's known to you guys from Talking in Stations, but also he's a really well-known streamer with a lot of expertise in solo and uh, gang. He's in Volta, I believe. He's also a tournament player. That's CSM member too. What's that? He used to be part of the CSM as well. So yeah. this isn't first uh, CSM. Right. Incumbent. Uh, not incumbent, but he uh, he had to take a year off. Um, yes. Okay. So patch notes came through on a Tuesday. So we looked at that. And this, this patch notes session was about Black Ops. Any of you guys familiar with the patch? Uh, I guess I can talk about it. <laughs> So it's basically the dev vlog that we have seen uh, a week and a half ago and it came through uh, with some modifications. Like right now, 30 people can be group jumped at once or the conduit jump, as they call it. As they call it. Conduit yeah. jump. And, That's new. Yeah. And there's, I think, one thing new, which is they added 50% uh, re reduction in the cover-up signal cycle time for the black ops and reduce the fuel i think just a few new things that we didn't see on the uh, uh on the patch on the dev block that we saw on the patch oh no they added the cargo space yeah they added the cargo space for black ops yeah so increased cargo space to capacity of 100 cubes cubic meters and uh, increased maximum target range by 30% and the new roll bonus for the black ops is 50% reduction in covert sinusoidal generator duration. Now, why is that important? Well, the problem the problem was previously if you were to light a sino with a black ops ship, then you're stuck there with the, that being lit for 60 seconds. It's not as risky as lighting a regular sinusoid or a industrial sinusoid which lasts much much longer and can be warped to, but it was still risky. Now, with the reduction in the duration, a Black Ops ship can more safely 
light one. It's similar to the Bastion feature in the Marauders, where previously they were very vulnerable while they had those lit because they lasted 60 seconds. Uh, same with the Covert Sino field right now. So now it's uh, changed from 60 seconds and now it's taken off by 50% halved to 30 seconds. So it's a lot less risky. You can light it, you can bring people in, and within the 30 seconds you can get back to moving and doing things without well, having the risk of having a sign lit and you sitting there with almost no speed. Yeah, exposed. I think Shen, yeah, we ta- so you oh, go ahead, Arcee. Yourself. I was just saying you tackle yourself for not quite as long. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, you don't want to tackle yourself for too long in a ship as expensive as a black box. Yeah, it's a couple of modules in EVE Online that take away your velocity, pretty much. Uh, one of them is a Bastion uh, module. There's a Siege module. Sinos, Siege. Sinos, yeah. They're just ways of tackling yourself. Technically, they don't take away your uh, velocity. It's just add mass. That's it. Yeah. So let's say if I'm in a role playing, I just start Industrial Core, I'll still go uh, as fast as I did uh, before the uh, core started. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is the, it's going to be a lot slower for me to decelerate. Aha, but you cannot light a sino unless you're going below... 1500 meters a second? Yeah. Is it? So, yeah, it's different with Sinos. Yeah. Like I, if you're flying a fax, you want to get some velocity before you hit triage, so you're moving a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward. I am looking forward to the new Black Ops changes, especially the targeting range change. It was a sort of a reoccurring joke that a Panther, 1 billion, 2 billion, however many. Billions is floating in price now because of the industry changes. But such an expensive ship with just this awful, awful targeting range. The targeting range that is, well, even regular cruisers beat it. But I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, well, more of these being used, especially with the whole bonuses given to the Redeemer, the damage and um, fire rate, well, sorry, the damage bonus given to the Panther, and the group jump feature. What surprised me is the group jump is increased to 30. That's triple what they originally intended of only 10. And yeah. I've uh, seen that the marshal's buff has been reduced. It's no longer 10% per level. It's, I think, 7.5. So whoever bought 350 billion worth of marshals on Jita, well, I hope they can make a profit out of it. <laughs> Wait, why I'm do you... Ex- Go ahead. RCA. I was going to say, I'm excited about the... The Redeemer's neutralization bonus, it's going to be like suddenly Bailhorn. Yeah. Uh, and here that is. It's the uh, armor battleship bonus, armor battleship bonus, 10%. Not, no, what is it? Nas. Nosferatu neutralizer. So you I'm don't not get like the. Uh, this one. I was going to say, you don't get like what the Bailhorn does, where the Nas drains when you're not below their cap but you do get the bonus to new amount. I'm not convinced that the Panther will be that popular, though. I'm more convinced that the Panther... The Panther is in an awkward spot. I think it needs another high slot to be far more effective, but hopefully I see a lot of artillery redeemers with the new Panther buff. Wow. It's traditionally been the weakest because it's got the least amount of stats and it's lackluster compared to the other black ops ships i am also interested in seeing the widow especially now that it's not only extremely tanky but it's also gotten i believe some damage bonuses and stacking on with last year's torpedo bonuses 
Yeah. It's, um, Fire I, rate bonus. Yeah, I got, uh, let's see here. Uh, the Widow, updated Caldari battleship bonuses have increased the bonus of rapid heavy missiles, cruise missiles, and torpedo launcher rate uh, from 5% to 7.5%. And uh, updated Black Ops bonus, increased bonus to ECM target jamming strength uh, from 30 to 40%, and added 4% to shield resistances. Um, and it removed 125% bonus to ship max velocity when using cloak cloaking devices. Well, that's a real that's... bonus now for all of them. Yeah. So it's not really removed. It's just not per the level of the ship skills anymore. Okay. So you guys like the Widow? Uh, you like the uh, Redeemer? Uh, people have been talking about the Sin. Why is that? Has it come up in your discussions at all? So now, like, the uh, Black Ops fleet, well, what's going to happen is you probably have two Sins as Lodges uh, and uh, 10 Widows with Torpedoes. Uh, that's, that's the most scary thing you can get as a Black Ops fleet. The Sin was popular because it was the pound of pound, the strongest solo Black Ops ship. You could fit a lot of newts to it, you could use drones to do a lot of damage. It was just a generally very strong Black Ops ship for a solitary solo player or somebody running with two Black Ops ships, say with a friend. But with this change, especially with the Widow being given these buffs and to damage and, not, and the tank, we might see the Widow become more popular in the solo context. We might even see the Redeemer being more popular. But the Sin is still, well, really strong. Really, really strong. All right, good. Did you guys uh, see anything about Covert Ops that you liked? Because that was the other part of this whole uh, thing. Oh, yeah. I hear <laughs> there are going to be... <laughs> I hear there are going to be changes to the Pacifier and the Enforcer, but we're still waiting to hear from them. As for the other Covert Ops ships, the Buzzard is now going to be the most popular scanning, well, combat scouting Sino, Covert Sino ship out there mm. because of its impressive amount of mid-slots. It's got an additional low slot to benefit it. The Anathema is, going, is now the tankiest. The Anathema, unfortunately, has never been the most popular because it lacked mid-slots. And the, the Helios is, used to be very popular because it had the mid-slots to field the additional scan modules. But it's only got an increased high slot to help fit the new modules. Uh, overall, mm, it's, it's an interesting change, especially with the new scanning bonuses or the agility bonuses, depending on which line of a covert op ships you're going to be using. Yeah, what's, what's the main takeaway from these changes uh, for covert ops? Is there one? Uh, if you're trying to do some slippy, covert scanning, scouting things, mm -hmm. the Helios and the Cheetah are still the best. But now the best in general scanning ship will be the Buzzard, and the tankiest is now the Anathema. The Buzzard and the Anathema now have pretty good scan bonuses, so you, you can scan things a lot more effectively. But obviously they don't have the agility bonuses to well, slip out of... A gate camp if you well jump through and there's a bubble and people trying to decloak you. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this: like the best scanning ship now still is the pacifier. Uh, no matter how buff they're gonna, how much buff they're gonna get for the other four, uh, just because the slot that it has and the 
and the bonuses that he gets from for combat. So I tend to disagree on the buzzard. I've spent a fair bit of time training into it, and then I really hated it. And the reason was it's only got three high slots and no drone bay. So out of your three high slots, you get a cloak, you get a probe launcher, and you get one gun or one ute. Then it's got no drone bay, so it's got no offense as well on top of that. So if you're going to use it to, say, tackle, yeah, potentially it's okay. But you're not going to be doing any damage in a fight with a buzzard. Oh, definitely not, not, not fighting with a buzzard. You're not doing a damage in a fight with any of them. You're covert <laughs> sinoing and scouting at most. They removed the bonuses for guns, I think. Yeah, well, I've heard that yeah, these yeah. things are much less the attack. Bonuses... Go ahead. I was just going to say the bonuses for guns were kind of pointless. What are you going to do? Covert ops uh, uh, drop anathemas, rocket anathemas on us? Like, that's it's a joke, right? Yeah, so these things are more refined for their role. This brings up an overall discussion that we've had this week about CCP and uh, defining roles for ships as opposed to letting ships be a hull that you can define with the modules that you put on. So people feel like this, their freedoms to use a ship a certain way are restricted when all the bonuses really roll into the actual hull. And people who are trying to fight you or run away from you instantly have knowledge about what you have based on your ship so there's more information there whereas if a ship's coming at you and it doesn't have an inherent role it can be fit in different ways then the modules determine how it's you know what it's capable of doing you don't have the same information you don't know if that ship can kill you or and if you should run away from it what do you guys think of that philosophical difference so i think yeah, totally. that, yeah. let's get rca so, and then chen all right so that it makes perfect sense that some ships are uh, highly specialized and you know what's going to come out of them, but they might be uh, objectively stronger at doing something, whereas others are uh, uh, more versatile, more jack-of-all-trades. Jack of you can fit them in a lot of different ways, but they might not be as straight-up strong at doing that thing. Um, as far as like what the bonuses on the ship point to, if it's one thing that, if like the covert ops have uh, bonuses that you know what's coming, but it's it doesn't make sense to have bonuses that don't help it in the role that it's doing. Uh, I would say I agree with uh, Matara's statement. Like the Praxis is one of the most scary ship to catch in general. Like you don't know how it's gonna fit it. You don't know how much Johnny has. You don't know if it's armor tank or shield tank or even hull tank. Mm -hmm. I have a hot take for you, because you see something like brick-tanked Punishers, and while they have an energy gun bonus, people fit autocannons to them, and they are damn effective. You can also see the Redeemer I've spoken about, people fit 1400 artilleries to it, when artilleries should belong to a panther, right? No, you put them on a Redeemer and it's still damn effective. It's, it's all about the... Fr hmm? Go ahead, finish, finish. We have a doctrine of uh, 1400 abandoned. It's already abandoned uh, are, are old school, yeah. yeah. yeah it's all about the lack of cap that it has. Like CCP just doesn't want it to be an energy turret platform. It's all it's all how far you push it and how what you're willing to do because I'm trying to think of a, a good one. Ah, the flycatcher. Now I'm going to get my head broken for leaking the secret, but the flycatcher if you don't use it as an interdictor and you just use it as a light missile 
platform, it's very effective. It's faster than a Jagdor. It deals almost equal amounts of damage. It's far tankier than a Jagdor. Obviously, it doesn't have as much range, but it's quite an effective alternative. And people people don't like Jagdors. People think, oh, Jagdors, oh man, I'm going to get shot at 90 kilometers. That's not going to be a fun fight. People don't fight you. But if you come in with a flycatcher, people will think, oh, it's a flycatcher. It's an interdictor. Let's ram into it and kill it. And people will take that fight. So it's all about the freedom you use. As well as, it's it depends on what level of madness you want to delve into. You could use a Garma instead of an Interceptor. It's difficult. It is possible. You can even use a Kerries as an Interceptor if you spend enough money and you're crazy enough and you use enough drugs. You can make it quite effective. <laughs> use enough drugs. Yeah. Well, obviously, you mean, if, boosters. If yeah. Boosters. Yeah, but but if you're going off-road, you'd want an off-road car. You can go off-road in a... Cadillac. In a, yeah. in a Cadillac. I wouldn't recommend it. And you can also travel across the country in a in an off-road car, but it won't be comfortable. Yeah. You can travel across the country in a Cadillac, and it'll be a lot more comfortable. So it's yeah. it all depends on how far you wish to push it. So I, I think that all of the examples that, that you can... Co- come up with that are something that's kind of off-brand for a ship or a bamboozle fit they all have sound foundations in in why they're good um for example like you mentioned the punisher it it doesn't have a energy weapon damage bonus it has an energy weapon cap amount bonus so it's going to do uh the base damage of the gun times four guns, no matter what guns you use. And it makes sense to use something like auto cannons for the fitting for the double plates on the double 400 millimeter Punisher. Cause then it has like 20,000 EHP and its main strength is its uh, uh, defenses as a frigate. Um, with the Artie Baden, most artillery platforms at the battleship level have rate of fire bonuses, but they're working off of volley. Abaddon has eight, high slots and the the power grid to fit the 1400 millimeter uh artillery so it like actually makes perfect sense um like in faction warfare one of my favorite things to do is the bamboozle slicer either slicers are normally kitey kitey ships um so whenever you're trying to go into a, a combat plex in faction warfare people will sit on the button because they expect you to be fast and thin you you played it you put like a web in an afterburner and you can oftentimes just flap another frigate that doesn't see it coming. Um, these are all like mm. what everything you said is true, and I, I agree with all of it. But it's not like just pushing further in whatever direction you want to go. All these things have sound foundations and why they're good. Right. Well, one of the things that was also talked about, this was as early as yesterday, and it went on for a while, was what is the purpose of an interceptor? And of course, everybody said to intercept, to fast tackle, to... So let me ask you guys that. What's the purpose of an interceptor in EVE Online? To intercept, to fast tackle, to uh, intercept small ships coming in with it using its high speed and bonus ranges to warp scrambling and warp disruption. And it's also useful for, I guess, light tackle, skirmishing to keep people on the field or uh, scare people away, something like that. Mm. So with combat it's, it's interceptors, it's a hauler. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's also true. <laughs> Go ahead. But with combat Listen. interceptors, I think the purpose is to get in really, really fast, do a crap load of damage, and leave. One of my favorite kinds of fleets is combat interceptors. You put a crusader 
Uh, it's like the thinnest thing in the world, but it does like 400 DPS in like a super fast platform. So you get like 10 Crusaders, you jump on something, you eat it alive, and you skedaddle before uh, it's their 200 closest friends catch you because you're so fast. Um, fleet interceptors are to stop things for other things to kill with their mm. longer scrams and their longer points and all that. Um, so I think there's a decided difference in the role between the combat and the fleet interceptors. And, and, and yes, to me, uh, also to move things. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the combat interceptor, I saw it as they were made to combat other small interceptor ships. They were designed to combat small ships, uh, especially in other interceptors. They are, I guess, the real uh, equivalent would be, well, their job is to get space superiority. They don't have a, they don't have a pound, an inch to, I guess, pound the ground, pound into bigger ships, but they have an excellent ability to scare the life out of anybody who's flying a small ship. Mm -hmm. If I'm rolling around with my very expensive malediction and a crusader's screaming at me, I don't want to be there. That I is scary. I think they do have ground to pound big ships in numbers. I, I see them as piranhas. You have yeah. a lot of piranhas, you eat something big alive. Yeah, NC actually had a fleet called Piranha Fleet, and it was uh, to go and... and uh, you know, essentially chew up bigger things because there's so many of you and they were so fast and they were interdicted so they couldn't be stopped by anything because the interceptor for a while had innate interd um, interdiction nullification. I meant nullification. Okay, one Shen. Of my favorite final blows, one of my favorite final blows is I got a final blow on a snuff Fortizar with a Crusader. <laughs> <laughs> Shen, you said that it's for hauling. Explain that. Uh, so right now, uh, after the Tech 3 Cruiser got uh, nerfed uh, with its interdiction nullification, mm -hmm. uh, right now hauling with interceptor is uh, one of the safest way you can travel uh, in Nullsec, as it has bonus to the uh, to the, the nullification module. So that means every time you go through a gate, you just wait 30 seconds and reactivate uh, your module to uh, to go through Nullsec without any gate cap. Uh, or just don't, you don't need to worry about any gate cam uh, with that thing. So the only thing that is uh, that uh, interceptor is vulnerable to is smart bombs in low sec. Right, um, because they wait at a gate, they turn them on when they see you coming, and by the time you enter any kind of position to go through the gate, you're blown up and you're potted too. Uh, other, another reason for interceptors before, right? When we're talking about the nature of that nullification is to get you to a staging area. Sometimes, you know, you're deployed and you don't want to jump clone because you only you have to wait 17 hours if you have good skills, 24 hours if you don't, before you can do that again. So you don't want to trap your character somewhere if you're not sure that there's going to be a fight and then nothing after for that waiting period. So sometimes you take an interceptor just to make sure you can get your pilot there and the ship that you're going to use is already there, the warship. So it's almost used like a little personnel transport for military. Uh, that was another reason that it was used. But but the game calls it an interceptor because you're supposed to do what uh, Rich was telling us, which is to intercept and uh, to either hold somebody down, as Arcia was saying, for bigger ships, or to get in there, destroy something, and get out. Uh, and, and so I think that's where the nature of the uh, nullification changes was were going, was to... Um, I suppose affect the interceptor in a way of uh, giving it a few more options by taking it, but taking away its innate ability to just go through bubbles and that sort of stuff. Okay, so moving on, 
uh, on a Wednesday was, was it Wednesday? Yes, it was. Monthly economic report came out. And here it was. Shen, uh, you, we talked about this, I think, with Kenneth. Um, we did a couple of uh, episodes on this. Anything striking to you? Uh, just how much production has dropped, probably. Well, it's not really surprising. It's kind of expected after the mm -hmm. change. Um, I wouldn't say anything that's too too surprising with uh, this MER. I think the only thing that kind of surprised me is at the end, the velocity of disk really slowed down after, uh, after I think, April. Yeah, what can we peg to that? What made the velocity of disk slow down? Less production, less trades. Uh, pricing for all capital and super capitals are uh, unstable, to say the least, I think, now. Yeah, unpredictable. And, yeah, and we're just and less people in the game, less daily number as well. Uh, just less people in general, so less move, less velocity uh, for the ISK. Yeah, this is since March. It's been on a decline for the last two months. Uh, it's it's a pretty steep decline, but it's not it's not anything we haven't seen before. Uh, we'll see we'll see what happens there. Did you guys notice anything on the MER that you wanted to comment on? If you want more information, go ahead. Well, I, I'd say the prosperity of the Vale right now, Vale of the Silent, and the Kelavala Expanse, some of the northern regions owned by Winter Coalition and mm -hmm. uh, Pandemic Horde and Friends, they are the most prosperous based on mining and NPC bounties right now. Yeah. Nobody's shutting them down, but uh, the initiative did deploy last month uh, to go shut down like Slice area, which is uh, where, where is Slice living these days? Ethereum. I think that's Ethereum. They uh, live kind yeah. of close to the pandemic work. Right, Ethereum. Um, and Maybe Geminate? Yeah, that area, basically. It's the, the show I call the shallow east before the drones, you know, breaks out into the drone regions and stuff. Um, I, I didn't, I was thinking about their deployment and did they shut down, did they shut down any kind of ratting? Did they shut down economic prosperity in the area and comparing, uh, one graph to the other, it didn't look like that had much, if any effect at all. But, uh, yeah, what they did shut down was re uh, they somewhat assist in helping shut down, uh, well, some past guest on talking stations, Thanak and his group weapons of mass production. They were unable to gain any holding in Geminate, and they have decided to move elsewhere with that campaign not becoming a success due were, to... Were they getting shot by it. initiative, or who were they getting shot by? Uh, Volta oh. came in to assist at times. Darkseid and Tissue were primarily their enemies, and the initiative came in at some stage, and it became too much for them. And they decided that enough was enough. They will seek their well next move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's a smaller group, right? He's an independent mm -hmm. uh, alliance. Chen, you were going to yeah, say something? Uh, so yesterday, there's a fight between Snuff and uh, Fraternity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just a medium-sized fight. And Snuff returned the favor today and dread bomb one of uh, Fraternity's uh, supercarrier. With that aside, I do know that there is... The upcoming invasion of Pureblind in the north by Fraternity ha has been delayed. So those who are living in Pureblind can 
bro, rest assured that the upcoming fraternity invasion yeah. is going to be delayed by about a, a month. <laughs> why do you get delayed? Yeah. Well, I have uh, no idea. I know <laughs> yeah. why. Yes, somebody knows. Come on. <laughs> so Norris uh, is in quarantine right now, and he's uh, on vacation for a month, and he'll be back by then. Uh, okay. Uh, hopefully he's fine. I'm, I'm sure he is. But, um, all right. I, I heard it. I heard it a little different, but I guess we can't talk about it, so I won't bring it up. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a little, he's a little, uh, not able to play and without him, uh, the campaign can't really go forward. Uh, he has pinged a Volter FC asking him to, well, get ready to resubscribe for the incoming invasion. He wants somebody to test this metal once he's able to <laughs> conduct it. Yeah. It's like, Hey, uh, put your pants on, come outside. Don't want to fight. All right. Um, well, going back to the initiative, they ended up, I think it was this week, going back to uh, 1DQ to kind of uh, chill out, I think, after their campaign. Again, they didn't, they didn't really, they weren't really able to stage very well. I think that everything they put down was pretty much destroyed pretty quickly. And so they're, what they said is they, uh, that required Pappy to form up in the East as opposed to attack 1DQ. And so they think that was, uh, a good thing, and that was their one of their objectives was to keep them busy, uh, which is interesting because I kind of feel like if initiative splitting up Pappy was uh, the reason that they couldn't uh, Pappy couldn't uh, get into one DQ, uh, then I don't think you can double bill that. Then uh, Goon Swarm and the Imperium can't say that we were able to repel Pappy by ourselves, you know. It's kind of like, uh, which, which one of you is taking credit for the thing that, that you're celebrating? But, you know, we'll see because now uh, Initiative is back in 1DQ. And we'll see, like, uh, if everybody's there now, we'll see what that looks like. I imagine Imperium's plenty strong with or without Imperium to repel Pappy in, in the circumstances that are there. They're heavily favored by defensive um, mechanics. Uh, so whether Initiative um, was pulling them off or not, I don't know if that made a difference. It doesn't seem like it would to me, but then again, I was listening to what the Imperium was saying and that they were having a lot of success on their own. I think, well, rumor has it, there's something going to be happening this weekend within the main war zone itself. Mm. Uh, some people have pinged it out. I have no idea the legitimacy of it. I have not seen anything major so far. So who knows? Maybe uh, they've also pulled back temporarily to prepare in case this is real. Mm. Yeah, we were told maybe something's gonna happen where we have we're getting prepped, but I don't think I can talk about anything today. Uh, uh, no, near future. That's near future. Told. So today, tomorrow, the next day, we'll have to check that out. All right. Well, that was the MER. Uh, we we're looking at it for evidence of war and what, how things are going. Uh, the big news coming out of the MER, the big takeaway, is that production has just really ground to a halt. The only people building capitals these days um nick help me with this but it is people like kenneth who are just testing they're doing it for information they're not doing it for a profit right it's a not a good time to build for profit is it at least ships you know for the larger ships you know probably not for profit at this point but when you're a large-scale industrialist like kenneth and there might be a dozen people on that scale in the entire game uh, as him. 
They're doing it for a war purpose. If they're building caps and super caps, it's because they need them. It's because they want them. It's not a profit item. Lower than that? No, uh, not yet. Everybody's still kind of poking at it slowly, trying to see where their particular niche may fit in or how they may need to adjust to uh, make it fit. Yeah. To my knowledge, the current dreadnought prices, to produce a dreadnought under the current conditions, not only are you, is it going to cost you about triple what a dreadnought would cost, the uh, pre-built dreadnoughts before the industry changes, the reserve ones, but if you try to buy the materials off the market, there is literally not enough materials and components on the market for you. You have to buy it directly from people who are making it, and those people, are don't, they're not selling them on the market just yet. They're selling them only to each other hmm. directly. That, that's a bit of a fallacy. I think that might have been true, but I think it's changed. No, it's never it? been true. It's a bit of a fallacy. So a lot of oh. the capital components don't get sold in high sec because you can't build most of the stuff in high sec. Well, so where do they get none sold? of the capital having none of the capital components being sold for at Jita is sort of like expected because you're building the stuff out of Nullsec. So why would you try and move something that's very large to Jita to sell just to move it back to Nullsec? It's all sold off contracts through Discords. That's why the PFM Market Hub Discord, for example, has got stupid numbers of people on it. Over three thousand, yeah. The ah, I see. I misunderstood but, but, then. I don't. I no, didn't but, see it being sold on the open market. Yeah, but you're right. They, in a different respect, and that is like there was like a shortage of gas early on, and so there, there was a shortage of materials in order to build ships, not necessarily capitals, but just ships. And that I think has been alleviated now. So uh, enough enough uh, ingredients, let's call them, have reached the marketplace that that it won't get bought out uh, just to build uh, you know, one or two uh, of of one object. Uh, so that's this recent, is something this is something I know very well, and it's probably something I should probably do a show on at some point because I abused it pretty hard for a while. But it's not a ten-minute discussion. What's that? The the uh, shortages and oh, stockpiles? Yeah. So all the post-industry changes. I think we should probably do a proper show on that because, like, what happened and a few other things that happened with the market gameplay is something that's not a ten-minute discussion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're just going over it um, because production has kind of ground to a halt. We will do more in-depth shows. We want to invite a lot of industrialists back with Nick and Kenneth uh, and get... Uh, we had uh, G.I. Joe Dirtbag, I think his name was. Funny name, but he's, he's a really smart guy and he's uh, really tuned in to a lot of this stuff. And we had industrialists from all levels of the game, from really big manufacturers for exclusive clients to people who worked the market to people who worked independent uh, low sec people high sec people and even really small shops um you know so we had a nice range of industrialists and all of them i was reflecting on this today all of them were wait and see attitude and i think they're still there which is why we haven't done that show so i think that you'll find that the people who are making ISK in industry at the moment aren't talking very much and you'll find they're pretty hard to get them to talk. Mm. The guys who aren't making ISK, who haven't adapted to the new changes, are the ones who are being very loud on Reddit. If you're making ISK at the moment, you don't want to be loud on Reddit because then you potentially aren't making ISK when something changes. Yeah. Well, as you said, we'll check it out in a different show. So another thing that came out on that same day, which was Thursday... Uh, was a little bit of a surprise called the Hunter's Boon. Did you guys have a look at that? 
I'll just describe it here. Hunter's Boon is a, a set of changes from CCP Paradox, the developer. Uh, he wrote in the uh, forums that there were going to be some changes coming, and it was called Hunter's Boon because it's a little bit about hunting other ships. And so here are the four changes or five that are proposed. They're going to add a covert Sino beacon uh, that's deployable. Uh, they're adding boosters to extend the stabilized period of cloaking, so basically a cloaking booster. They have, uh, they are removing, and this is an interesting and long debated one, they are removing strategic cruiser skill loss. If you blow up in a cr uh, strategic cruiser, uh, or a T3 cruiser, basically you lose skill points and they're going to remove that penalty. Uh, and finally, a couple more here, scan resolution penalty reduction for fleet interceptors and a balance adjustment for the pacifier and enforcer that were left off of the black ops. Um, those are the smaller brother and smaller sister of the Marshall. Uh, so these are from Concord and they're very rare ships uh, or they're rare ships compared to the others. Uh, and they were left off the last um, uh, patch. So they're kind of thrown into this next one that's coming up. But the big news here was what? Well, I'd say the... Removal of skill point that lost from the strategic cruiser, but we should get on to that in a moment. Covert Sino Beacon. I'm curious about that. That is a funny idea. Oh, yeah. I, I, have this, I had this really funny dream or vision of somebody in a damping, hunting, a Razu, with a poor victim scrambled and completely dampened, and in the distance is a covert Sino Beacon. That's just ticking up and deploying and there's nothing they can do because they are damped and they are scrambled and they they can't fight back that's the sort of the uh, little nightmare i had for the covert sino i'm not sure what to think of it because the covert sino beacon well the covert sinos in general they didn't show up on overview you couldn't warp to them anywhere in system so lighting a covert sino to me was just generally fairly safe so well, i guess it's a welcome to see the beacon but i don't have anything particular to say about it the cloaking boosters i have heard that you are required to take the booster before cloaking if you want the bonus you so if you're cloaked and you suddenly want to get the bonus you can't just take the booster and get the bonus you have to take the booster decloak and then recloak or just have the booster on you at all times or re at the ready if you want to get the bonus but the big one strategic cruiser skill loss removal Mm -hmm. These the whole idea of losing skill points. It's from a, a time before I started the, playing the game. I never quite understood it. Some people said it was antiquated. Some people believed it was necessary in order to keep the strategic cruiser as more exclusive ships and not used so much in doctrines. I'm not sure if that's going to be successful or not. But removing the skill point uh, bonus on death, it's a welcome change, and I think people will use it more. They are some unique ships, and I think three of them are, have a really unique place in PvP and the game in general. Uh, one of them is completely neglected, and uh, we don't talk about it. That one is the Proteus. Proteus, it's terrible. Yeah. It's just uh, smart bombs, basically. Arcia, what's the what's the story with these Tech Three cruisers? Can you walk us back to yesterday the when they were cruisers, born? The Tech Three cruisers are ships that came into existence when. Uh, wormhole space became a thing. Um, they use uh, basically technology that was found in wormhole space in order to 
the empires used technology that was found in, in Anarchus wormhole space to design highly flexible, super adaptable cruisers. And uh, so the whole thing about these cruisers is that they're, they're really adaptable. You can change the subsystems, which change entirely what they do. You can uh, just drag, you can remove rigs without breaking them. What's the only kind of ships in the game where you can do that? Um, yeah. And that was a, a bonus given later to make up for some of the yeah, stuff taken away. Because if you, if you switch, well, it makes a lot of sense because if you switch subsystems, like the rigs, yeah. you're going to, going to want to actually that you couldn't, you, you couldn't actually rig the ships before that. If I remember correctly, like they just pretty sure you couldn't rig them. Or if you did, you lost them when you took the, the ship apart to you. What's that? Yeah. You lost rigs as soon as you changed your subcomponents. Yeah. So people yeah, wouldn't change. They didn't, they lost the flexibility of changing subcomponents because their rigs were expensive and they didn't want to lose them. Yeah. And that was kind of stupid because it, it defeated the point of the, uh, the ships. And, and that was when rigs were all the same kind. So they were a lot more expensive, right? The one size, I think that was an overlap. Yeah. That did change a while ago. Yeah. So now there's rigs of yeah. different sizes and different costs. So if you ever see ships that have large rigs that don't make sense why they have a large rig, because that's why, because they're old. It's an old ship, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so it seemed like they took away um, the rig loss when you disassemble a ship to make up for it, to, make, to modernize it. And this is what's going on now with T3. It seems like the, the ship penalty of losing skill points uh, just doesn't make sense anymore. It also is just a reason not to use those ships. Doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. today. So today, I kind of today. agree with that removing. But I re I recall distinctly when they first came out, and you'd train it up, and you'd be ready to go. None of us cared if we lost skill points for it, because at the most you're looking at a four or five day train if you lost to five in one of the subcomponents or the main ship itself. But we were building them, and they were still you might get 20 or 30 of them together. The skill point loss didn't, we didn't care because we had a job to do with it. Well, and the, I, I think back ahead. in, I think back in the day, they were also a lot more uh, relatively powerful as well. So like they needed some kind of drawback today. Um, they're, they're still three of them are still pretty good in some situations, mm -hmm. but uh, I think they're relatively less powerful compared to where they used to be um also i think when skill injectors and extractors and all that became a thing like you could just basically skip it if you wanted to throw money at the problem uh i mean i am an old character so i have like 1.5 million free skill points at any given time and the subsystem skills don't take that much because they're rank one trains so it's like it's just kind of an annoyance that doesn't really have a place anymore. I think it's a good change to remove the. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the funny thing, the funny thing is that CCP basically said something that I suspected, but they never confirmed this. They said we love the idea of skill loss as the ultimate penalty in the game, uh, and then they go on to say, "But this is why we're removing it." And this is one of the few play they've removed skill loss before. If you didn't ensure your clone properly. Or if you yeah, passed, if you actually uh, skill pointed past uh, your grade. past your past your insurance, you had to reinsure. And if you didn't check it, if you didn't, if you forgot about it, you could actually lose skill points without even knowing it because you actually increased 
five million skill points. When you got points. potted, yeah. Yeah, when you got potted. Right. So, so they ended, they ended up removing the idea of um, a pod losing skill points if it wasn't insured properly, and uh, and that was not that seems like it wasn't that long ago. And this is another area where you're not losing skill points anymore. So they seem to be going backwards on the skill loss as a penalty in general. And you're right. Um, RC and somebody pointed out on our on, on our YouTube comments that it just doesn't make sense anymore because it's it's something you can buy. You can buy skill points now, right? Through injectors. So really all you need to do is build that skill loss into the cost of the ship. That would be the equivalent of it, which I thought was a, a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, as far as the other changes, uh, I think the covert sino beacon is just to help people move black ops easier like if you have an alt they can run between uh your jump points with an interceptor and drop it and you can just jump to the next station or whatever i think it's just the it's it kind of makes sense uh, since we have the normal sino beacon um it's just to make it easier to move around i guess mm -hmm. uh, all right anything else you got on hunter's boon that you guys like, like oh yeah right. go ahead rich <laughs> The scan resolution uh, penalty reduction for fleet interceptors has been removed. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, uh, I, uh, removed or reduced? Uh, hopefully removed. Because, yes, if you had the interdiction nullifier on a fleet interceptor, you lost a lot of scan resolution bonuses. And hopefully with this, it will be either removed or significantly reduced. Hopefully removed. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I... Stop. I didn't use the uh, nullification thing on my fleet scepters. I usually multi-box the scepter in front of some of my small gangs um, as tackle. And I, I haven't been using the uh, nullification thing because of that scan resolution bonus. So mm. I'm, I'm happy to see the scepter get the uh, a bonus that they don't have as much or hopefully no scan resolution penalty as well. It's still, it d didn't say anything about the lock range. I have been using the interdiction nullify module. It's rather interesting that you w actually want to use the worst nullification module, the meta zero one, because it has the shortest duration and you want the shortest duration on the interceptor so you can use it more often. Mm. I have been using it. I had to change my personal interceptor fit to fit around it. I now fly a crow instead of a stiletto when I'm using the module. And I've actually, it's just been more tedious for me because all I had, every time I didn't use it, all I did was just offline the module to get my scan resolution back. Will I still offline it? Probably. But at least I get my scan resolution back. Hmm. That's an interesting point. You want the, the weakest module because there's a short, shortest uh, duration. Uh, so you can re-trigger it. That's an interesting point. They'll probably have to look at that. Uh, sometimes they make a change and it's, it ends up being backwards from what they intended. It looks like one of those. All right. What else you got on Hunter's Boon? Anything else? I tried. You what? I, th I said I tried three times. But oh, sorry. Go. go ahead. All right. Covert, Sino, deployable. I like it. It adds some really interesting gameplay possibilities. Rich kind of outlined one of them uh, using an Arizu as an example. I was digging that. Boosters to add time to your cloak and vulnerability, I think, is crap, personally, because, gee, now I don't have to be there or as attentive. 
And that takes away from, for me personally, from playing the game and, and, you know, actually being there and seeing what's happening. A couple of folks mentioned on the T3 skill point loss. I'm in agreement today that that is no longer effective in the game. My only heartburn is my poor Proteus is left in the dust still. And I, I miss that. Yeah. Now I'm done. Well, okay. There's a rumor that E3s might get some love in the future, but it's just a rumor. I wonder how long the booster bonus is going to be for the uh, cloaking and vulnerability. Because somebody I know uh, brought up a point that I had never considered in the cloaking debate uh, some time ago to me that uh, I think makes sense, but maybe doesn't completely carry the argument against the whole observatories and such. Because um, a lot of the talk around the mobile observatories and the cloaking immunity time and all that is is dedicated to people who are camping in a system in order to catch somebody off guard and, and get a nice kill. Um, but I have a friend who has a super who is not part of any block. And when he had to move that super, it the move uh, op contained multiple overnight cloaks because people the system was too hot and he couldn't like safe log without it being dangerous. Um, and that's not going to be an option anymore. So it might be difficult, more difficult for anybody out of a block who doesn't have like keep stars and stuff to put a super at to move it around. So that's that's something I have haven't considered because I don't really plan on getting a super because it just seems like unwieldy for me who doesn't have good keep star access. Mm, yeah. I don't know if I recommend that. I was in a rush to get into a super two and then when I got into one I was like, this isn't that great. <laughs> this kind of sucks. Uh you feel accomplished at the same time you feel like you've just put a giant ball and chain on your leg you know it's, it's a coffin you can yes, put it in a boss temporarily that's yes <laughs> and, and and not not only do you have to sacrifice one guy that's just going to pilot it or at least sit in it but you've got all the support characters now that you have to spin up in order to yeah. really support that one ship and it's i don't want to put my it's in something that yeah. that's all they can be in right yeah it's it's not it's not great it's not for everybody okay so uh moving on from oh go ahead okay. Shen. Just talk about one thing with the yeah. cover of Sino Beacon. Uh, one thing you can use it for is industrial use. So you can uh, bridge uh, a deep a deep space transport, I think. Oh, no, no, it's a blockade runner, I think. It's a blockade runner with a Black Ops. So right now, let's say you have two beacons in two systems and have two Black Ops, you can just bridge a fleet of them to one side and then and then uh, release your cargo to the station, then uh, bridge it back. So same thing with same idea with the normal Sino beacon uh, when uh, Titan can bridge them, right? And right now I just use cover ops ones. You know what? That is a curious idea with the scarcity going on. If you cannot afford a jump freighter, God forbid you have a whole bunch of accounts or a whole bunch of friends who can fly a blockade runner, you could just blops an entire fleet of blockade runners around. That's how we used to move stuff in the syndicate for uh, a campaign. We used to blops blockade runners in the syndicate. I've used dreads as jump raiders. Oops. You could dock it. Sorry, we're talking about the Roracle here. I got muted again. Uh, you could dock a Roracle, so uh, it had jump range, it had cargo capacity, and it could you know fit into a station. And so that was 
poor man's uh, jump freighter. So yeah, people do use other means besides jump freighters to transport stuff. Sorry about that mute. I uh, do want to show you now uh, the last thing that came out on Thursday, colors. So we did a test on the on stream where we showed the before and after of the new colors. What they've what CCP has done, and we'll do a special show on this with artists actually to talk about what the technology is. Um, but they have adjusted shader shaders and uh, essentially taken out gray, and that makes everything else uh, go from kind of a dull muted color to a bright to a much brighter color. It is a little buggy because we saw that Poshman has a lot of red and orange in it. And so buildings were turning, they called it Hello Kitty colors, really bright. So they'll need to adjust those uh, colors. So we'll take a look at that. I think here's some before and after pictures you can see for the people who are watching on stream. Um, this is the uh, little unwieldy here, but this is the before. You can see the shadows and the color are a little bit muted. And when you compare that to the uh, after, let's do the same image, but after, uh, you see how much brighter these, the planet is and the colors look more colorful, actually, uh, instead of a, <clears throat> a plum, you have a little, you have a little more saturation in it, it looks like. So again, we'll, we'll take a closer look at that, uh, later on. I think this is a dramatic also visualization of the difference. If you look at Jita, you know, and you're looking at the moon that sits on Jita, it looks blue as does all the Kaldari stuff it has a blue cast to it. But um, with the new coloring, it looks a little more distinctive. It's purple. So that's kind of wild. So we will check that out. Okay, moving on uh, to Friday. We talked. We did a second um, show on that isn't actually published yet because uh, something was going wrong with Twitch and it wasn't allowing it to us to do post work on it. So it'll be out today. But we talked. Uh, Shen, you and I and uh, Kenneth talked about the uh, uh, monthly economic report again, right? Yep. With yeah. yeah, and there really wasn't anything else to report except there was, uh, you know, some sales deals that were out there, like uh, the 50% off three, month of, three months of Omega. Uh, look out for that one. Uh, but the thing that stuck out to me that day was the small fight in uh, Esoteria reminds us that Esoteria has, has changed hands. It used to belong to uh, Bastion pretty much, protected by Stainwagon and Bastion together. But uh, Army of Mango came in and uh, pretty much took it over, right? Is that where it's at now? Uh, yep. So we, uh, as of right now, all IHUBs uh, are cleared of any Bastion, Pharah, or Good Sex. So right now it's controlled by OM, Test, or Evictus in Esoteria and in uh, Paragon Souls, uh, Vindictive, and Test, and Us. Yeah. Well, and it's ongoing, though. Uh, Bastion hasn't gone away. They're sitting there at the edge of Esoteria in Stain. They're backed up still by some Russian groups in Stain. And um, we did see, uh, uh, I believe, a Ukrainian group leave Bastion to go to Initiative, uh, probably because there's a there's been since... Uh, real-life politics in, in the Eastern Europe uh, a few years ago, where Ukraine was, uh, um, I guess, annexed, part of it was annexed by Russians, that groups inside of EVE Online that were both Ukrainian and Russian were having a hard time getting along. Um, and so I think that still persists to this day. 
so the Ukrainian group moves over to initiative. Russians there uh, are faithfully working with Bastion and trying to at least harass uh, Esoteria. I think that's what's going on there on that side. And also there's kind of like a funny story. Mm -hmm. So our high command asked Ferris, uh, uh CEO or high command as well. So like, do you want to uh, gain up on AAA? And they said no. And then turn, and then AA asked us to for help. So right now we are kind of helping AA uh, against Vera <laughs> in uh, in Spain right now. But wasn't the majority of trip AAA Russian Thunder Squad also in Goon Swarm just a few months? Confusing. They're not right now, and plus not we have anymore. fire. We have fire right now as uh, our backup in Russian time zone, so we don't really have any. That worries there. It just uh, you have one less enemy you need to worry about. To be honest, Most has has this fraternity harassment of mangoes continued or has that slowed down? I mean, so our main worry with fraternity one is drifter wormholes, and one is uh, they have access uh, in various structures, so they can dock and tether in there. And now we are trying our best to do grinding uh, in Esoteria for any. Uh, structures that's not belong to our coalition and right now it's going very well so fraternity has less of an influence in esoteria compared to before and how about uh deep water hooligans have they uh, pushed any forward into esoteria or have their advances been so far slowing down never ha haven't seen them in a while looks like you've uh, well pacified esoterian to secured it for now yeah we're, we're right now looking to sting and then trying to move their structures there as well and maybe festivalis right now festivalis is quite uh quite um peaceful i would say um mm -hmm. after that four rocos died last week uh but as of right now we, the only ihubs that are left that's not from our coalition is uh red alliance and maybe from there we can push into impasse right who knows isn't the latest in the um, in the war effort for propaganda? Isn't the latest uh, that people are saying uh, the Imperium has been reduced to the fighting capacity of Olmeca Gold because he was known for tackling and killing Rorkels inside a delve? And I've I've heard some banter going back and forth. I'm sure the Imperium doesn't like being compared to their old enemy uh, Olmeca Gold. Have you guys heard any of that? No, I don't pay attention to it. No. no. That sounds not like news so much as a shitpost. <laughs> like, no, 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 because it's psychological warfare. I mean, this is working on Imperium nerves because I've seen people very much protest that. So I thought it was uh, a little bit of a jab from the uh, Pappy forces uh, to... Um, because I think the idea of the war in general has kind of come down to this... Uh, the Imperium is in one constellation. Now that constellation is heavily fortified and it really impenetrable at this point. And so from the Imperium perspective, it's we've won this war because you can't do anything further to us and we're holding you back. From the Pappy perspective, it's we're waiting you out. This is a siege and that's what happens in a siege. Again, the Imperium answer to that is you can't siege an Eve because we can fly over your head with jump freighters and supply ourselves. So... Well, I'll tell you what, Mazarol, weird things happen in uh, sieges. People make mistakes, people uh, die, people lose their minds. 
And as for the siege, I can tell you that's uh, some of the more active war zones in Delve and Quirius. The most active people there are actually small gang groups. And uh, somebody will probably use this quote, and I will say this now. I am more active than Jeremy Andalier, the Pappy FC. But you, you're running around more active. Well, let I'm me more active in Delve. Uh, I'm more active in Delve Quirius than he is, and he's meant to be NFC. I got it. So I, I'm going to finish with the tennis match that I was talking about. So, so uh, Imperium's answer to uh, Pappy's "We got you surrounded" is no. We we are not blockaded. You can't starve us out. We don't eat food. Um, we survive on supplies that we can import in, and we have unlimited amounts of money to just constantly build back our fortifications that you destroy. And so then the answer from Pappy is, well, we've reduced your effectiveness to enforce or push any weight around. And all you really are now is uh, what Omeka Gold was doing, which was capturing a Roracle here and there as Roracles made mistakes and that sort of stuff. It seems like that's the ping pong of the narratives going on as the war has essentially ground to this long uh, pause. It's been a month now. That's longer and, than the M2 gate camp. Yeah, not only that, but they do have allies that's outside of that constellation, right? In, in past, uh, read a uh, story in the vents and mm-hmm. what could possibly go wrong. So they still have a, a region there, right? So right now, Imperium has no ability to project their power outside of the constellation. Well, they can do that like in Quirius, stuff like that, but not any, anywhere further than that. So right now, we're trying to go after them uh, so we can, we're trying to wipe out anything uh, that they can possibly in OSEC that they have uh, who are allied with them. So make people uh, think twice next time uh, if they're going to be allied yeah. with Imperium. Yeah, I think well, Pappy's all, really hard on allies right now of the Imperium. Go ahead, Rich. Well, after all, uh, man does not live on Spodomain alone, but rather <laughs> content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, though. I think what's interesting to me is this is the quarter where they're going to release the long-term keys for ESS, and that is basically jackpots all over EVE Online that are up for grabs. And who's going to be in the best position to get those? Can Imperium uh, use alts to go and participate in getting some of these jackpots that are out there that are being released? Or will Pappy have that to themselves since they have the extended territories and you know they, they're sitting on a lot of other territories and they're putting a lot of pressure on Delve. I mean for Imperium money is not really a problem to be honest. So, we, we assume I mean, it's it, not it, a problem it, but, but we nobody yeah. knows they haven't said one way or the other yeah. and if they do you and I'm talking about all sides in this war you really don't know until you see uh, until you see it somehow there are signs of people running out of money uh, but uh, you know those come and go um, but yeah so we'll see I don't I don't know how much money is out there. I think CCP has actually said how much actual money is in all of the ESS combined, and it's uh, it's quite a bit. But I don't know if it's a game changer. But, you know, I'm not sure. But uh, but yeah, that seems to be what's going on. So that's the war. The war is really more of a war of words. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I've seen it uh, inside of Talking In Stations Discord. There's uh, there's been banter back and forth from both sides, and that was uh, one of the themes that kept coming up. That I thought. Uh, was was starting to resonate. All I can think of when we talk about like banter that happens between two sides in a war is um, internally in, in EM, whenever one of us does something stupid, 
our explana- our like joke explanation was psyops. It's it's always psyops. Why did you belt that whatever psyops? Right? Psyops, psyops, and that's, psyops. Yep. That's kind of how we say psyops. Yeah. Right. It actually sometimes it works against groups. Uh, they'll try to uh, um, use psychological warfare to make somebody angry to make a mistake, and uh, all it does is harden the other person's resolve. You know, I don't know. I feel like the best memes always come against come out of people trying to smack talk. Like back with the invasions, uh, a lot of the the Triglavian side had had a. Uh, had this narrative that they pushed that Edencom didn't PVP. And so we started joking about that, about how their ships weren't dying. They were just falling down the stairs because um, <laughs> we don't PVP. It couldn't have been us. And uh, not much been worse. Not yeah. true. You, you, you right. uh, took no, out I've the never, aspect. I've never PVP'd in my life. Uh, it just <laughs> fell down some stairs. Right. Uh, couldn't have been me. Yeah. But yeah, like the best, I, I feel like the best memes always come out of shit talking attempts. And the best thing to do is not shit talk. But right. It's a uh, pro gods had a few things reflected on him that have made him look very silly about, you know, uh, a couple things that were completely disproven like the next day. And that just uh, takes a shot at your credibility when you, when you talk next time. And that goes for all of them. All right. So that brings us to the end of uh, the news that came out during the week. Is there anything that I missed or that we missed? Uh, the three Fortisars that died in Pochvin yesterday. Yeah. What's going so, on with that? Um, there wasn't anything really resembling a fight. Um, I guess in the first one, we actually fought Triglavian NPCs. <laughs> but uh, they were unfit Fortisars. Uh, Streebog had already removed the fittings in the whole... Uh, getting rid of their structures bit that they said they were going to do. Um, and yeah, so the last three uh, Streebog structures in Pochfen, uh, three Fortisars died with very little kerfuffles surrounding them. And uh, it was basically a quiet, boring night of bashing Fortisars and trying to loot. Hmm. Um, so it seems like that war is also quiet now. It, but it might it might be over um but if it if it continues it's going to change form because the structures are gone not right. all the structures in Pochman, of course there are still structures in Pochman. but these are the were they the majority of structures in there i don't think so it wasn't even the majority there, there's still like 40 astro houses oh um, okay most of the bigger structures are, are gone yeah we plan okay so that's triglavians um there's a coalition kind of in there they were fighting each other but they would get together for home defense uh, to protect the region from edencom which is rcs group uh. well it's a little more complicated than that like mm-hmm. they're fighting each other but some of them are friends and some of there's two of the triglavian groups that were actually on our side uh in right. this in these fights that's uh sino which is suddenly spaceships and prove which is a really long name and it's a smaller group. Um, and we were fighting, uh, Streabog, ITC and, uh, yeah. The, the, uh, and their friends. What were the last ones? The, uh, something knots. 
Hibernate. Yeah. yeah. So those are the three that were at the home defense, let's call it. And then there were a couple on your side, Edencom, that were invading with a wrecking crew, basically. Yeah, they had their own uh, reasons for wanting to do such. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is we talked to the uh, uh, Triglavian home defense guys, and we're going to now talk to this week, we're going to talk to Rote Capel and uh, hopefully Arcia and some of the other people that are actually on the side of uh, attacking uh, Triglavian space. Well, Rote Capel is really interesting because they're like the second generation Triglavians. They're, they're mostly just small gang around, around mm -hmm. Pachman, and uh, they have their own stuff set up in the region. Yeah, and they seem to do be doing pretty well there. Met a couple. Even third party. Met a couple of guys from Rote Capel at last night's dinner in Los Angeles. Well, the Los Angeles area. It's actually in Pasadena, which was like an hour from where I live. But um, and I'm in LA proper. But uh, it was good to see those two guys. And then we talked to uh, Murray Rothbardo a lot uh, here at Talking In Stations when he's around. And uh, those guys are official. Uh, Arcia, were you present yesterday when Amelia Dusk Space uh, gathered many people of the small gang community, split them up into groups, and sent them all into Pokvin, into, dif uh, into different squads to roam around, fight what they can find, and fight each other? I think we were bashing the Fortisars there when that was happening. Oh. I can possibly see if uh, I can get him on to discuss the, well, this content safari that he's sending into Pokvin every so often. I mean, Pajfen seems like a great place to do stuff like that because you can have the small gangs without like capital uh, <laughs> ship escalating on it, without facts dropping on the queue. It began with what we called the small gang safari, where we would filament to all regions of the game and try to f eventually meet each other and fight each other. But the Pajfen is, yeah, definitely far better with the triangular structure. All right, uh, so the last thing we'll look at uh, is uh, just a quick, if I can find it. Do you guys have any other stories you want to cover before we move on? One quick aside. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the, 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 God darn it, I just lost the words. <laughs> I have no words. Should I give you a second? The propaganda contest, the uh, submission of, you know, your own artwork and such to CCP. Isn't that coming to a close soon? Or is it running through the different uh, Empire's days? Well, the Glenday one should be coming to a close, right? Yeah. I, are Maybe they doing one for each race? Liberation yeah. Day is next. Oh, okay. Liberation Day will be uh, this month, or next month. It's not July yet. But yeah, but yeah. for each race. All right, well... Um, Last night, actually, in Pasadena, as I was saying, a group of people got together for the first time. It's like 20 people. Let's see if I can get a, uh, the picture up on screen for you. And um, there's some uh, really good fellowship about EVE Online, and uh, I think it was a really, really nice time. So uh, here uh, is a guy from Tuskers. Uh, we have Gobbins here uh, on the left. I don't know if you can see the little mouse. He's second to the left in the front row. Next to him is Garrick from Rote Capel. And right there in the middle with a really cool uh, biker stash, we call it, is uh, uh, Max Singularity, the Pope. And uh, next to him in the middle is Lady Scarlet. Uh, over on the right-hand side, you'll notice, uh, let's see, third from the right is Lank. Uh, used to have the Cap Sable podcast. 
Behind him in the back in the blue uh, shirt and black hat is Carneros. I could just zoom in and show you, couldn't I? <laughs> Instead of naming out where they're at. Um, standing on the box. What's that? Guy on the left standing on a box. Uh, I'll get to him last. <laughs> so here's Carneros. <laughs> and then, um, I'm sorry I don't know all the names, but you see Dunk Dinkle's little head back here because he was way in the back. So he's... Uh, reaching over shoulders there. I told him to get in front, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to. And then on the far left is that your safari guide, it looks like, uh, is me. Uh, so that was a really fun time. Everybody, everybody was really cool. There's guys from NC Dot. There was guys from, this guy's from Dice, uh, super nice. Uh, there's, a, the, there's a guy from uh, Goon Swarms back here. Uh, this is, this uh, young lady was from Brave. And uh, yeah, so there's people, people from all over. Was a, uh, was really nice. Everybody have their vaccination card. Yes, uh, everybody was vaccinated, and we were outdoors, uh, and we weren't, uh, we weren't yelling in each other's faces, which is not a good thing to do these days, right? Uh, but anyway, if you that... look at that. There's a heart carved right above your shoulder, above your head on the tree. Oh yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. I didn't notice that. So one last thing, CCP recognized this is like the first time players are getting back together. Uh, so this is the first meetup that we know about. And they sent a little, a little, uh, uh, some merchandise. So that got distributed there to all the people who attended. There were little shot glasses that were Garistas or EVE Online logos. Uh, so that was nice of CCP to do that. So that was pretty fun. And if I look like I'm green and like barely hanging on, it's because it was a late night. <laughs> so... And also there's this green screens pouring over my face, distorting the color. But uh, yeah, that was fun. And uh, there's going to be one in, I think, North Carolina next week. And then there's going to be another one in San Diego, probably in a couple weeks and stuff. So look around your friendly neighborhood, um, EVE Online community, and see if uh, people are starting to get back together where it's safe and where people are vaccinated and where precautions are taken, of course. All right. That's all I got. You guys have anything else? Uh, uh, yes, yes, I do. Well, uh, of course you do, Rich. Of course you do. Of course do. I do. Uh, with with the departure of certain CSM members, uh, departing CSM member Phantomite ran quite a, I guess, a survey for people who have quit Eve Online in well, in the last whenever, last two years, last three years, and he's gotten a lot of results. So if you stay tuned to Talking in Stations, I will try to get him on to discuss the results he had and what he found about a lot of the people who have answered the survey. And if you haven't yet answered the survey, I'll see if I can get the link to the survey put on the Discord as soon as the show ends. If you wish to discuss and feedback on why EVE Online hasn't been for you recently. And for those who weren't here at the start of the show, I'll repeat it again. Today, June 27th, marks one year after the passing of Wrecking Crew pilot Binet Evangard. In Mamet, there will be a vigil hosted by current and former pilots of RC, his friends and people who know him, and people there to pay respects to Binet Evangard. You're welcome to join them and light a sign of vigil if you wish, and the system is Mamet in Genesis. Yeah, familiar with Mamet. Thanks for that. Okay, uh, Arcia, Nick, Rich, Shen, and Ren, thank you guys for showing up. Um... Do you want to do that CSM thing, or are you skipping it for next time? How long? Do you th how long do you think you need for that? 
Uh, about five minutes. Uh, okay, let's do it real quick. Five minutes. Uh, sorry, we we're about to wrap up, but uh, there's something you wanted to talk about. Just go ahead and present it, and we can go deeper on it another time. But go ahead. Uh, in the podcasting, chuck up the first graph. Okay, I'm going ahead to come on. What happened here? Charlie Brown. Sorry, I fell out of the channel. I guess. I'm sure he'll apologize. Yeah, I fell out of the channel, which means that uh, that I fall, I lose my video connection to everybody. So I am sorry about that. Let me get that back up and running here. Everybody's back. And let me jump to uh, just the video participants. And then it's a one-click jump out of channel kind of situation because we're using, uh, you know, to be flexible, we're using uh, Discord for our video and our audio. So here's the podcast channel. The first graph, I'll bring that up now and you can have a look. All right, let's go over this. Is it up yet? Yeah. You're not going to rage quit on me this time? I won't. You got the graph? Sorry, I'm looking at the delay on the stream. Yeah, just start talking about that first graph. All right, so over the last week, I've been trying to assign every candidate in the CSM to a different null block or region and space from null block, small gang, all that sort of stuff, and work out if it's actually fair for null block to get 70% of the candidates. Um, and it proved to be a lot harder than I expected. I expected to be able to just go, oh, this guy's a null second, go for it. First issue was Setonia. When I said, oh, it's not Setonia, null second, I got, yeah, he does this, 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 and this, and they pretty much named every part of the game that he does. And a lot of the other candidates, when I've gone and personally talked to them, have said about the same thing. However, we've sort of done a recommendation on what it is. It's still a bit of a live sheet. So if you think I've got anything wrong, hit me up. But the answer is NullSec got about 63% of the votes at this stage. So them getting 70% of the um, candidates seems fairly fair. Um, I did add small gang PVP because it's sort of something that's not a region base. It's sort of like wherever you can find it, you go do it. So I thought Arcea, for example, is probably better as put down as a small gang to medium gang PVP who will Roman, Null, Pochvin, Wormholes, wherever she can find it, she'll go PVP. And they actually seem to be overrepresented with iBeast and Setonia both getting on for it. Um, HiSec got 10% and 10%, so it seems to be okay. The Wormholers, as much as I've been telling them that they should be able to get someone on, once you take Setonia out as a Wormholer, they're under the 9% to 10% to get on, so it's fair enough that they didn't get anyone, so I apologize to all Wormholers. Well... Again, the wormholer thing is a misconception that they want to elect just a wormhole candidate. They want to elect their wormhole candidate. And uh, and if they're not agreeing on, say, fundamental propositions about wormhole space, better not to have a candidate than to have the wrong candidate. Well, I think it's about time they invested in some ecumenicalism and found some middle ground in that case. Yeah, if they so wanted a candidate, they would have re-elected the candidate that got elected. He showed he was popular enough to be in there, Exuki, but he was not re-elected. So, Bren, are you saying that, based on these results, the representation of the CSM candidates and the representation of votes are, well, it looks generally even. I mean, maybe one or two candidates, but acceptable. I, I That is... Yeah, Yeah. so there's a few things that came out from this, and Dr. Swat especially and I have been doing a hell of a lot of runs with the CSM votes and seeing what we can do to change it and what we can do to improve it. The one thing we've noticed is almost anything you do to change how we've run it, the same people get elected, and it's in the same order. 
But there is one major change I'd like to make on the CSM voting is if your vote gets eliminated, what they do is they, because they recalculate the quota, like this is pretty deep in the maths, but because they recalculate the quota on every round, if your vote gets eliminated, you effectively don't get any part of the CSM vote at all because once you're completely eliminated and you have no live candidates left, you effectively didn't vote on the CSM. And I'd like to change it so that the quota doesn't get recalculated. And what that would mean is, say, for example, that you voted for some random person who got eliminated first with, say, 11 votes. It'd mean that Merkel Chen would need an extra one vote to stay in. and he's Because once you get eliminated, he doesn't actually need that one vote in the current one. But if I say your quota doesn't change, he would need to keep that one vote all the way through. And what it would be is a null sec nerf because it means their preferences won't flow as much. And in this current CSM election, it would have meant 200 less preferences from each of the people um, who got in would have flowed throughout the um, throughout the uh, process. The interesting part about it is despite those 200 less preferences, the same people got in and it doesn't change anything. But at least those people get more of a say in what they had and there's some recognition that they have voted. N- nothing changes. Wow. Yeah. No matter what Spot and I did, not much changes. Like we've, we've taken out all of Imperium votes, like the headline Imperium vote, run it again, and still the same three Imperium guys get in. So what you need to, ch- to change things, what you need are new votes. We need two things. We need people to vote for all 10 spots because as much as Vili says only six count, that is specifically designed for him because he aims specifically like he aims to pick phantomite and arcia and fourth and or fifth and sixth on his thing and the reason why i picked arcia and phantomite and fifth and, or fifth and sixth was because they're likely to finish 9 10 11 12 and use up whatever preferences you've got left goes for them if you're not the sort of person who specifically aims to pick and know who to pick on that then your preferences will last much longer than six goons do exactly the same thing the only difference between the goon vote and the test vote well, sorry, Imperium vote in the test vote, is Imperium has three or four meme candidates or three or four political candidates in the middle, and then they run their 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th vote as their 9th and 10th spot. So you'll see last year and this year, the 9th spot was elected partially on the Imperium vote, who was in the 9th spot, because they have picked specifically a 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th people to be in that spot. And you'll notice this year they picked... Uh, so Tonya and iBeast in Ninth and Tenth, who both got on, because that's what they're aiming to do is pick someone that they can change the vote there. If you're not watching the CSM that closely, put your ten candidates down. I'm talking to um, CCP Swift about putting some more information out that makes it a lot easier for people to vote for more people, because I think at the moment a lot there's an issue where uh, you can vote for three or four people that you recognise clearly, but then you don't not know what the other candidates sort of stand for. So I'm trying to talk to CCP Swift and get him to go. Let's put produce a simple spreadsheet to say this is a candidate. This is their three or four areas of expertise, and that's what they're interested in. So you can just go through that list and go. All right, this person is an RP player. I'm interested in RP. I'm going to vote for them. So mm-hmm. that's how we're trying to improve the vote on that side as well. Not, not that I'm defending Vili, uh, which he's. I think he's changed his position a little bit talking to you and and you and him have had talk and you've agreed that you're both kind of right on the only six. People count on your ballot, but they did end on uh, Arcia. So, and she was the last woman so standing. They, they ended on Arcia because she was in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth spot. If she wasn't in those ones and she got eliminated earlier, like Phantomite did, then all those 
um, presence would have disappeared into space. Would have, would have been he, lost, yeah. But in this case, yeah. they didn't get lost because she was the last person standing before the yeah, end. Yeah, because so. he's specifically gone through and picked someone he thinks can end up there. And he has a lot of knowledge of how the CSM works and how the CSM votes. And he has a lot of practice in picking these people. Like the Imperium and Test have a very good track record of picking these people for the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th spot. If you mm-hmm. don't have that track record and that effort, put 10 people down and hopefully one of those will end up in those spots and you'll get be helpful in, for someone to get in. So more votes. So uh, they need new votes to come into this and they need to fill out the entire ballot because that will preserve votes inside so they don't drain out of the system before they've actually gone to a person. Yeah, and hopefully we can sort out changing how the votes are counted so that less preferences flow a little bit and people whose votes completely like there's people in Poshman, for example whose votes completely didn't count because they ran out all six candidates got eliminated and effectively if they didn't vote to if they did vote there was no difference so what we're trying to do is make there is a difference that you have voted and we're going to give you an acknowledgement as you voted and the reason the acknowledgement is you didn't vote for the guys one two three four so those guys got to put a little bit more effort in to get in because you voted against them does that make sense I'm going to say yes, because we're out of time. We need to go. <laughs> but I'm sorry. It's all right. No, I just uh, was reading a comment, and so I was thinking of responding. But I'm not going to, because we, we actually need to close out. But we want to there revisit is, this again. We really appreciate all the work that you did on this, by the way, before and after the election. There is one more point I want to make just as we're closing out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do something on the psychology of Eve and the how players interact with the developers. Mm -hmm. If anyone is good with psychology and actually is an expert in it, because I understand it, but I'm not going to say I'm an expert for my hand up as an expert, can you please contact me and we'll do something decent with it? Thank you very much for that. Uh, So I I think the big takeaway is that uh, we're kind of baked into the CSM chemistry that we have now uh, with a lot of NullSec. And unless there's a whole bunch of new voters, uh, we're not going to break that if the if the equation stays the same, uh, the people still vote the way they did uh, the last two times. So it's not surprising that this CSM looks a lot like last CSM. Okay, uh, one real quick thing. Uh, this jumped out at me. Little, little Power says, Billy wants to exterminate a certain part of the game. How the F is he suitable for CSM? I think that's been debunked a, well, a bit. And it's, even if it wasn't, in, uh, it requires a it, it requires a lot of context to the quote. I on the face of it, it's not. Yeah, it's a the narrative that keeps coming back. Where it's he wants to terminate the goons. No, that's not what he said. Well, in, 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 the person who looks at it <clears throat> is going to say, you know, that gameplay style, their influence is what he's trying to reduce or eliminate not the players even if it's true all all uh, you guys are saying is not right out of context but i'll I'll assume that it is right out of context nobody's being exterminated in real life and exterminating players um the only way a player stops playing is if he he decides or she decides that the game's not for them anymore and they're out and uh, i don't think anybody can make that decision for you there's no way a player can block another player from playing this game so what does exterminate mean? Well, in, in the context of EVE Online, destroying fully an enemy happens all the time. It happened to FCON. Uh, it happened to uh, CO2. Yes, it happened to CO2 by hands of you know, Goonswarm. When Goonswarm says they want to do a hell war, do you think they're talking about, you know, until everybody stops having fun? No. 
A hell war means we're going to exterminate you, essentially. We're going to wipe you out. We're going to destroy your leadership. We're going to make you lose faith in them. And if you uh, collapse, then you collapse. So there is nothing new about wanting to exterminate your enemy. Uh, the language might be a little higher, but the concept has been around forever. Uh, not only that, but I think Matani said burn cheetah, right? Right now, burn cheetah, yeah. Apart from that quote, we're exterminating a group, right? That's still in Nosek. That's still the same as what nine or sixty-three percent of the population is doing. But burn cheetah is literally wiping out a gameplay. Yeah, and you know they That's did it. burn cheetah as a as a, a revenge tactic against CCP to put pressure on other players because they were angry. Uh, they didn't say this, but. Burnjita was a celebration of Matani coming back from a 30-day ban because he did something awful. And so when he came back, they celebrated by burning Jita. To me, that is a vindictive move against CCP to put pressure on players and drive them from the game. So if you're going to complain about uh, high rhetoric in a war against two Nulsec powers, you should look at what the history is for Goonswarm and the Imperium to the rest of the players in the game. It's not innocent. At the end of the day, this is a game where what you do and what happens and how you play is your choice. If you choose to leave the game because of another person, it is your choice. If you choose to play or not play a certain style of the game because somebody has told you, that is your choice. I, I personally believe, well, it is your choice to do what you wish for a game that you pay for. Nobody decides your destiny but yeah. you. And, There's a few exceptions to that I could point out, but I, I take your point, absolutely. And I think we'll leave it there. Uh, just wanted to answer that, because that comes up a lot and keeps coming up, so we'll just deal with it. But uh, thank you, Arcia, Nick, uh, Rich, uh, Ren, and Shen. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, and thank you, audience, for being with us. We are um, in a process this weekend of putting out a backlog of... Uh, podcast so if you are, are just getting this we should be caught up by now and thank you for being patient we'll try not to fall behind again we're falling behind because the uh, amount of time that i've dedicated to discord has disproportionately taken up my schedule and so i'm not able to publish and i'm the only one that's ever published uh, for tis so uh, when i get busy the uh, the stuff falls behind it really it really is on me. It's completely my fault. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll catch up on the podcast. We're also looking at restructuring a lot of uh, what we do with podcasts because the podcast sphere is becoming different, right? You can subscribe to podcasts now or uh, to avoid commercials and that sort of stuff. So we're looking at all that to try to change it. But I want to thank all you guys for joining us. Join our Discord. Hang out with us. We're uh, making it a talk space for people who like EVE Online. So uh, come hang out with uh, thousands of your fellow EVE Online players. Okay, everybody, that's it for us today. We will see you next time on Talking In Stations. <laughs>